I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I am here with my husband and co host, JC Hall. Welcome to the show, JC. Hello. So, um, I, we're a little bit late doing the Daily Journal today because I was on uh, Newsmax and. Um, they had contacted me and asked me to be on, uh, I think it was yesterday, day before, no, it was the day before. And they asked me to send some of my, my army pictures and they wanted to talk about, uh, veterans issues is what they told me. And they wanted to talk about some politics. And when I got on the show this afternoon, which was pushed off because of Donald's Trump most Awesome press conference, must I say. <laughs> most often awesome. I am not a sycophant, but that was a most awesome press conference, and I seriously want to talk about that. But, JC, you didn't get to hear what was going on on the Newsmax thing, and we'll be posting the clip later, but uh, they brought me on the show and said, uh, Chrisanne, we are uh, honoring a veteran every day this week on our show for Veterans Day. And cool. oh my goodness, I did not even know that. I almost started crying. I'm almost crying right now. Crying right there when they said that. So I was like for, you know, one of those rare moments when Chris Ann Hall was speechless. <laughs> so I didn't even know. So I can't wait to see that clip. Uh, it was a little bit frustrating though because um, uh Towards the end, they had asked me, you know, we got into the part about me teaching the Constitution and, and how that transition took place. And, and he asked me, he said, what is, he says, I don't mean to, to say this in an insulting way, but what do you find that the American people are most ignorant about when it comes to the Constitution? And I mentioned that, you know, it wasn't written by a bunch of rich elite white slave owners. And then I started talking about uh, the De the uh, the the separation of power between the state and the federal government. And I was just about to talk about the supremacy clause when some random call came on and bumped me off Skype. And I just, you know, I, I was talking to Janet about this. This is so frustrating. So I tried to call back the number to find out who it was. No answer, no voicemail. And so I Googled it. Robocall. 
It was a robocall. It was a number that belonged to three different people at the same time, none of them having a voicemail, all registered to vote, uh, voteorganize.org. Wow. So They don't know the election's over? No. Are you kidding me? Janet thinks it was a three-letter agency calling me to <laughs> stop, ta- stop me talking about the limited nature of the federal government. And I... I don't know if I should be honored by the enemies that I've made or just just ticked off. I get sick and tired of it. Uh, but anyway. Actually, are we sure the election's over? I think, or Florida, they're still counting? They're Florida still and Georgia counting. Georgia still counting? Yeah, there's still a few states counting. Uh, Rick Scott, true to form, can't win an election, you know, without having some kind of controversy or some every, near, near miss at well, the ballots. Every, uh, every election he's had has been by one point. I know, right? Yeah. And so that's why he has less than half a percentage point over uh, Bill Nelson, so they're still counting that. Yeah, that that was always the the weird part for me. I mean, you know how part the party works, you know, Republican Party, I guess. I mean, I don't actually understand it. It's his turn or whatever. But so the guy, every every election here in Florida, he won by a point. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's an awful awful speaker. Terrible. He has, he has no presence. He sounds, I mean, he I, he reminds me because I don't know maybe because he's thin and bald. He reminds me of the the slender man. He has like the personality of the slender man, yeah. and not not from a homicidal toast. kind of perspective, yeah. you know, so but just bland. Right. Very milk toast. Uh, you know, no presence. So I always thought... I've actually, when I worked for the state of Florida, I was actually involved uh, in a press conference that he was doing at my department. And there were probably only 30 people in the room plus him giving that. And I kept thinking, oh, dear God, please help this man. He was the most, he was the worst speaker I had ever really, especially for somebody in politics. and And he admits that. Right. He he says he's not a good speaker. The the peculiar thing is so he he sorta got better. Like that's not saying yeah, much because it was so bad. Yeah, but, but he has, the thing he about it a little better. But the thing about it, why do you get better? Well he writes this stuff down. So th- now when you listen to him, it's not I mean, you have to understand what you're listening to is not a bad speaker at that point. Like he can't even <laughs> read. read it well. You were saying he actually reads Spanish better than he yeah, does yeah, English. He, <laughs> yeah, when he was, I guess it was his, his acceptance speech, quote unquote. Well, he can't uh, really say that because he hasn't actually won yet. Well, I mean, yesterday he came Nelson out. Nelson didn't concede. I, well, whatever. He, yeah. he gave his victory speech right. regardless yesterday. <laughs> and part of it was, you know, I mean, he does this often. He apparently knows uh, Spanish, but he was reading the Spanish and, mm-hmm. and he and the English. So he read his statement for the most part um, and reading the Spanish. And he actually read the Spanish better. His Spanish sounded better mm-hmm. than his English. Right. Um, so anyway, I always thought it was bizarre that, you know, that's the candidate they would choose because you've got Bill Nelson. This guy, this guy, as Trump said in his press conference is good at winning elections or is a professional at winning elections right this guy's right. been in office 40, right. 46 years it's, it's old hat to him so and rick scott's not a particularly uh, not a hugely popular guy as i think is reflected in 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 the well, results what, what made it worse was brian Steele 
was on, they played the clip of Brian Steele giving his speech. He's the guy that, uh, in Wisconsin, that uh, uh, is is succeeding uh, Paul Ryan. Okay. Okay. And so... You, we got to see Brian Steele's speech yeah. right before yeah. Rick Scott. And right. and you actually stopped. You were, I don't know what you were doing yeah, in the he, room. You stopped and you thought, wow, this well, guy yeah, is an so, amazing speaker. Right. We were watching it and, and I, he was sort of wrapping up and I turned to you and I said, wow, that guy's like a presidential speaker. He, he, right. re- he really, he really is, has presence and a good speaker. And then they said, okay, we're going to go to Rick Scott. And I went, oh, wow. The other <laughs> the end of other, the spectrum. That's in, and everybody, that's exactly what he said and how he said it, too. So, it, it, you know, if you really want to, if you wanted to lock down uh, that, the Senate race in Florida, I just thought from the very beginning Rick Scott was a a, a bizarre choice for that because he's not. Uh, you know, he's been a bizarre choice from the beginning, and I'm just, you know, but he's well, very, he's very corporately it. tied. Well, no, because I, I don't understand it in no, 2010. No, no, I'm saying, no, you can understand the reasoning oh, that the people gave. Because he's an outsider. Gave. Well, that's, no, that was the thing. We yeah. need a, it was, what was it? We need a businessman. We need a right? businessman, So yeah. you could understand that, and it, it was based on that as far as, this persona of being a businessman, but mm-hmm. they, I mean, they didn't know anything about him no. uh, and they never heard him, but it was that sort of thing. We need a businessman. Now, after that, when you, now you know the guy and, and what have you, you, you wonder, okay, why, why is there so much backing? I don't know. I don't know. So it's just it. interesting. So I, I think, um, I you guys know, know how we a, feel about Rick Scott anyway. I'm not a Rick Long Scott hater. I'm just saying he's not a strong, well, I'm not, he's not a, a strong candidate and he's, <laughs> You know he has he has a after what he did to Sheriff Nicholas Finch, I can't even like him. Yeah, and so I mean that's just one of those things. He made a clear line in the sand that he was not going to be pro liberty. He was not going to be pro constitution. Right, and that he was not going to listen to people who were trying to advise him on that. And he ended up crashing and burning over that thing with Nicholas Finch. And and the thing that really irritates me is that the Republican Party covered for him the entire time, swept the entire thing under the rug. And so most Floridians don't even well, know that's a, that's how Rick Scott do. attacked the Second Amendment, the the right of the well, I guess it wouldn't be the Second Amendment here in Florida, but it was I forget which which amendment it is in the Florida Constitution. But he, he attacked the right of the people to keep and bear yeah. arms and the authority of the sheriff to defend our liberties. Yeah. So I'm not surprised it's closed and. The you know, but that's what parties do. They they did the same thing for Marco and his credit card problems. So you know that's not surprising. The, now the interesting thing is how this being characterized in the media. This, this midterm flip is customary. I mean, this is what yeah. happens. Now, yeah. why this one is unusual and this is bizarre to me that even Fox is not really really sort of expressing this narrative. Um. This is really one of the most pathetic flips of the House or the, the of Congress in recent in recent uh, midterm history, right? Barack Obama lost way more seats. Yes. In tw- 2010, and he lost Senate Clinton, Senate seats. Right. In Clinton 2010 lost too. Way more seats in '94. So this this is one of the most tepid House flips in recent uh, in recent history. And I was because th- this is this is what so. They make it out like, oh, look, look what the Democrats did. 
Mm-hmm. The, the fact of the matter is, this is what happens in midterms. This is right. expected. This is what right. always happens. This is a customary. So this customary house flip is remarkable in the fact at how tepid it was. They only gained 20-some-odd seats, maybe 30 right. by the time it's over. That's that's really um, kind of lame as far as that goes. So for, for Trump to come out and say, to characterize this as a victory is now he always is going to do that I know. <laughs> but it's but it's not a big stretch if everything's you think a about victory it. for him but in the context of yeah. midterm uh customary midterm you know trends uh he's really not not that far off the mark well and i was i was actually talking to pastor brown after all of this and uh you know he 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 said, you know, it really isn't that big of a change because a lot of the Republicans that were lost in this primary or in this midterm were rhinos anyway. Well, well, it's a big change in the sense that it's a lot Trumpier Republican Party. It is a lot Trumpier I mean, Republican re- Party. And it's really a pure, like Pastor said, it's really more of a purification. You right. really, he really, when he says this is victory, he ran out the establishment. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. You know, um, it, it is interesting how it all worked out. And the what I think is, is interesting is that people are talking about, and this is something that, that they asked, uh, a lot of people have been asking me on social media, what do you think? Well, obviously, constitutionally speaking, the Senate is infinitely more important to the president to the than president. the House. Yeah. So having a Senate who just gained in its strength uh, is is a testament to the, the president himself because the Senate is more directly related to the president. Right. And I think the the lack of loss in the Senate, which we've seen historically during the midterms, uh, the the party in power loses on both sides, but Correct. we actually, but the the Republicans didn't actually lose in the Senate; they gained, and I don't think that has anything to do with the Republican and, Party. And the flip in the House was very minimal. Yeah, and I think that the gain in the Senate is the nation's approval of Donald Trump. Well, that's what Trump. You hear Trump saying again. Trump is always going to say that, no matter right. what happens. And I keep it kind of crystallized the watching this guy now everything he does not focus on the negative Every, no, everything everything he is looks positive at the positive he looks at the victories which which is funny because when you look at successful people like i had a, a book uh i think about i don't remember what was the uh top 25 uh ceos and wealthy people whatever and they, and they all had that same mentality it mm-hmm. was a focus yeah you learn from mistakes but you focus on the positive, the victories, and I mean, uh, Trump's like that to the nth degree. But at the same time, um, you know, like you were saying, the, the, you saw these gains, and then that in the House, um, 
I mean, it really was. It's, it's kind well, of victory in a sense. Constitutionally speaking, in that sense, Trump is going to have more authority in treaties now. He's going to have more authority in uh, Supreme Court nominees, in yeah. cabinet placements. Look, this is the time when Donald Trump needs to fire Jeff Sessions. This is the time when Donald Trump needs to clean house in the executive branch because he has a strong Senate who will back his nominations. Not only that, Donald Trump is not a social conservative. So flipping the House Democrat is not, you're not going to see the blockages that the media is hyping up. Uh, You're going to see a block on the wall. I I truly believe you're going to see a block on the wall. But for other social programs, uh, replacing uh, Obamacare and other programs, you're not going to see any blockages on that sort of thing. Now, what you might see is the spinning of it. It's not Donald Trump's idea. It's our idea. So you, but they'll you, go with it because he's not a social conservative. You, you mean fiscal conservative in, no. in these social spin? Well, social social conservative generally, you know, people use that term in regards to stance on abortion, gay rights. Oh marriage, no, no, no. I mean like you social, mean the social programs. programs. Yeah, so social fiscal programs. conservative in the arena of. Of these entitlement right, programs, right? I would say moral conservative. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's not. Yeah. So he's. I mean, you know, it's a mixed bag with this guy. He's he's not an ideologue in that sense. So, well, or and that's least, part of his charm, I think, with a lot of Americans is that you can't put your finger on him. Yeah. He's he's all uh, over the place. Now there are some who who say. He is an ideologue. He's just good at playing the game, and he's he's well. Regardless, he a, is good playing the game. Yeah, uh, which which is why I said that press conference was the best press conference ever, and oh, it was man. it was hilarious because I was preparing for the Newsmax interview. You were sitting at the kitchen table, and I had uh, the the his press conference running on my computer in the background uh-huh. and <laughs> we both as soon as he jumped on Acosta we both got up I went around my desk to the the computer you came away from the table and we were like you you yeah. were fist Get pumping him. in the yeah. air right Woo, yeah I'm so sick and tired of the arrogance oh, of yeah. this media elite they didn't treat any they don't treat anybody else like that nobody no president. Nobody. No, no president. Pre- even even George Bush didn't get treated nope. like this. It is it is abrasive. It is rude. It is discourteous. It's unprofessional. Jim Acosta gave. So there was a the lady just trying to do her job. Mm-hmm. You know, taking the microphone from people and giving it to people, and he he like throws a forearm shiver at this lady twice to keep the microphone. It just. It was so obnoxious. What an elite jerk. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry revolution Standing together and without permission Soldiers for truth in the war of attrition the love of our country as our ammunition. The Chris Ann Hall Show. 
She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. Remember, you can find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. You can also find uh, our constitutional training, which is superior constitutional training in America, the best. Just ask us. It's huge. At libertyfirstuniversity.com, libertyfirstuniversity.com. And, you know, I was thinking as we were watching that, if I were standing in Donald Trump's shoes, how would I handle that situation? And I, and I think, to be honest with you, he handled it a lot more delicately than I would have. Because I think at that point when you saw Acosta actually forearm that lady, yeah. I would have demanded he actually been removed from the room. I was waiting for that. I, I would was, have demanded it. I was seriously waiting for that. And then, but someone, see what someone happens. Get, I was waiting for him to say, someone, get him out of here. Get yeah. him out of here. I would, I would have pointed out, did you see what he just did to that woman? It yeah. is time. It, Mr. Acosta, is that how you te- treat women? It's time for you to leave. And I would have had him escorted out. Yeah. And then you have all of the other obnoxious elite standing there screaming, you know, answer my question, answer my question. And, I, and I'm thinking... What is the point of having a a White House press corps when they have absolutely no sense of professionalism whatsoever? They're paparazzis out there. That's all they are. They're overpaid paparazzis, and it is a disgrace to the industry of the press. Yeah. And I and I think I think that's you know like I said I I personally would have had Acosta moved removed from the room. Yeah, me too. But you know he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to feed that narrative because then they would have been, yeah, they'd have been apoplectic about that. You know, oh, the dictator, you know, yeah, here's proof he's targeting the media, all this kind I of stuff. I don't know. But I would have sure, I'd have sure enough made it well known that the, how he had physically touched that woman. So one thing about it is they continue not to take any responsibility for their part in being divisive. Yeah. So at, I think at the very end, Someone asked him about unity, and he said, I think it starts with the press. And she, you know, she's, once again, yelling back mm-hmm. over him. Uh, doesn't it start with you? doesn't start with you. So they're very, it's so juvenile. It is and, juvenile, and, and it's, it's. Arrogant. It is very arrogant, and it's, it's ignorant as well. And what we don't realize is that the president is not the leader of America, but that's what the press has made him. You know, Donald Trump doesn't have that kind of power. So a couple good examples uh, that came out about that. Um, The one lady from PBS stands up. I don't remember her name, Ami or something. So, and this was really, really crazy and and disgusting where she said, um, where Trump said he's a nationalist, okay, Uh and then... You hear Trump, you hear Trump how he uses that term and how he expresses that. When he says nationalist, his definition is he puts America before other countries. He puts the needs of America before other countries. So that's how he understands mm-hmm. the definition of nationalist. That, that's not actually correct, but that's 
how he what he meant. That's okay? what he means when he says when that. When he said it, that's what he meant because that because he explained that he he basically said, you know, in 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 defending what he said. But she says, okay, you said you you were a nationalist, and then so so she's saying she says she follows up with so basically people take that to mean you're you're a white nationalist. So she totally just takes this changes the word nationalist means white nationalist which means white supremacist which means racist and runs on this tangent so and he said basically that's you know despicable question embarrassing whatever so that's what they do and they they don't recognize their divisiveness how they he he didn't say white nationalist he didn't mean white nationalist you heard how he defined it right and so you know you know, any reasonable person ought to know that's not what that meant. But yet right. they reject that and then they assign a different meaning and actually come up with a different word, right? White nationalists is not the right. same as nationalists. So right. they actually inserted a new word that was not said and as evidence was not meant. And Once that's how again, I report it. So creating yet, division. Yeah. So, so out then, of no division. And then they stand there and try to Justify defend it. themselves as yeah. we're not biased, we're not manipulative, we're not fake, whatever. That's a prime example. And this is a, by the way, a taxpayer-funded uh, news organization doing this. PBS. Um, then uh, the other thing, when you you what you said about not understanding the uh, power of the presidency. So the one uh, girl I think was from Atlanta one of the papers in Atlanta or something, and she basically asked him about, you know, hey, so there are long lines and people having to wait a long time in Georgia. Are are you concerned? And basically kind of what are you going to do about that? And he said, you know, you have to go to the state, ask the state officials. Like right. So there's another another one of those examples. The right. president has no control over state uh, state-run elections. They don't comprehend that elections are run by the state. Right. And so there was another example of that. But at the same time, it was trying to be uh, put into this racial seen through this racial lens. And it was interesting to me when, she, you know, she led with lo- long lines and people having to wait a long time. Uh, there are a lot of people who have to vote. I mean, long lines. So now long lines are racist, having to wait a long time to vote. Well, the weather racist. is racist, too, because apparently the when we were I don't know. I think we were in a hotel getting ready to come home and the weather channel was giving out the headline that um, the weather is going to keep, uh, out minority, keep voters. minority voters yeah. out. <laughs> like This stuff. It's so it's so tiresome. I don't. And Juan Williams. So we're watching oh last night goodness, on Fox Juan and Juan Williams. Williams, Juan Williams basically says that Andrew Gillum. Uh, lose, is losing and at that Stacey time. At Abrams. that time, was losing. Yes, he included Stacey Abrams. Is losing the race because uh, the Deep South is is racist, <sighs> right? So again, you talk about this media bias, <laughs> media division. Does they he don't mean Miami see it. as in Deep South? Because you don't get any deeper well, think, South than Miami. But think about it. It's four. <laughs> when you look at so who voted for DeSantis, four million voters mm-hmm. that Juan Williams has never met. I'm, right. w- I'm one of those voters. Right. I've never met Juan Williams, but he can smear an entire geographic region of four million people he's never met, and he classifies them as racist. Right. Okay. How is that not distorted, biased news? And he's basically being racist. Mm-hmm. Okay, by saying all white people in the South are racist, and that's right. why Andrew Gillum can't win. Not about 
Andrew Gillum's positions, policies, you know, what he will do, his past, his record, Mm -hmm. his statements, but just simply the color of his skin. And so 4 million Floridians, Juan Williams has never met. He just knows we're racist because we didn't choose his candidate. Now, here's the interesting thing. John James didn't win in Michigan, but he's a Republican. So Juan Williams didn't classify the the entire state of Michigan as a racist. Right. Well, and and here's the thing. And I, I, I tweeted out to him. I said, apparently you missed you missed uh, Martin Luther King's speech where he said we should judge people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And that's I mean, that's what we did here. And when you judge the content of Gillum's character, you cannot you cannot elect him no matter what color he is. Yeah. So bottom line Here's the media, still biased, fake, phony, disgraceful, but they're going to twist this entire uh, press conference Mm -hmm. as, you know, Trump the tyrant being combative, abusive. Um, You know, I I guarantee the headline is going to be or the storyline is going to be that uh, despite the midterm results, Trump indicates no change in tone. That's going to be the narrative. Trump's tone is still combative, still attacking the press. Um, and he stood there. He said, basically, I'm for free speech. I'm for free pe- free press, but I'm for a fair press. If you guys would report stuff fairly, if I make a mistake, report it. But be fair. Right. Make up fake stuff and distortions and mischaracterizations. And, and it's, you know, I mean, it's obvious to anybody with a brain. Now, I, I, now that we've sort of thrown the Gillum thing out there, I, I, I want to mention that uh, Ron DeSantis winning uh, is, is a good thing as opposed to Gillum winning. But I want to interject a little bit of reality into the Florida euphoria over the DeSantis thing. Uh, in reality, these ridiculous constitutional amendments that Floridians voted into law overwhelmingly are a hundred billion times more dangerous than Gillum would have been as governor. Think about Gillum would have been opposed. Gillum would have not had a a day of peace. He would have not instilled taxes remember the governor doesn't create taxation that comes through the legislative branch oh, he would have had total lame duck he would have been a total total lame duck, total lame duck with a ha- republican house a republican senate a republican attorney general a republican uh, commissioner of agriculture yeah, he has no he would have no control over anything but once again floridians have voted in these insane constitutional amendments so much so i you know jc i i i my heart sank when i saw this because i thought to myself maybe floridians learned when we when we ratified constitutionally protected rights in florida for pregnant pigs what an embarrassment and then we had to go back try this time and fix the constitutional amendment of the high-speed rail that nearly bankrupted the entire state and and i'm just sick and tired of the fact that the general constituency will vote yes for any freaking thing they they don't so people do not inform themselves 
on these ballot initiatives. They're so – I think the, the, the feeling has been there's so many of them. There have been so many in the past. They're so tedious because you're – So ju- vote no right, then. Right, Vote no. Why, why is it that we have such an, an insane – uh, preemption from saying no to anything that we got to yeah. say yes yes to 12 constitutional amendments that were on the ballot six of those had three in amendments within them so we're actually talking about 30 constitutional amendments that the people said yes to and the only one they said no to was a homestead tax relief I'm just tired of the way that things have been. Oh, Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, our final segment of the show. We're here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, and so I'm how, just aggravated. So how about a forecast? What are we looking at as a result of Tuesday? Well, I don't think that we'll see much different. We won't see much change in Washington, D.C., other than uh, the fact that I said that Trump should have an easier time with any future cabinet or supp- uh, justice appointments. Well, Trump and Pelosi have signaled this kind of Pelosi love affair. Yeah, Pelosi romance. P- uh, Pelosi is a political prostitute. Sure. She she is not going to be anything and, but. And a, Trump is a negotiator. And Trump is a negotiator. Trump could own Pelosi in a negotiation room because Pelosi's not going to be concerned about anything. There's one thing that I did want to talk about, JC. You've got the fact that uh, you've got now the, the House majority. So people are talking about now you're going to have, will Pelosi be the, the House leader? Will she not? I don't think it matters because unless they put in one of these new Democrats, it's going to be b- business as usual. But there are people freaking out about Maxine Waters being the head of the, the House Finance Committee. I even heard uh, Judge Napolitano say that, uh, that she's going to be harassing these bankers. And I really don't think so because, and I would agree with that, if people like Maxine Waters, politics was power to them. Politics is not just power for Maxine Waters. Politics is money. So what I think you're going to see is not a, uh, and, and Napolitano said there, that the, it will grind the banking to a halt because of all of this harassment with her and all their regulations. I don't think that's going to happen. What you're going to see is Maxine Waters using her position for her own profit. So these bankers are going to learn really quick. Maxine Waters will give you exactly what you want if you give her the kickback that she's looking for. And I think that's the kind of corruption that you're going to see. She's not in the head of this committee for power. She's in the head of this committee for profit. So in light of that... um 
and I know, you know, it's not monolithic in the house, but do you overall see all of this rabid uh, messaging from the Democrats prior to the midterms was was about rallying the base and getting the support to be able to take the seats but maybe they're not necessarily going to continue that yeah, stuff because it no. doesn't now it now beyond the midterms it doesn't necessarily serve their so ends. the uh impeachment of trump is not going to happen uh you know i mean even if you get enough of the quote-unquote new democrats in there to draw up articles of impeachment remember we've already had articles of impeachment drawn up even with with pelosi at the head they're not going to bring that to the floor and even if they did You've got such an overwhelming support now in the Senate. There'd be no censure anyway. Remember, um, Bill Clinton was uh, went through House impeachment and no censure, so nothing happened, right? So if they're if they're gonna do it, it's just gonna be a lot of noise. But the real question, I think that, that remains to be seen, is whether they will. I wonder because you know you have. I mean, there are a handful of really radical crazies, mm-hmm. and, well, and I. So my question, I what I wonder, and I know I'm not mm-hmm. saying you have the answer or we have the answer, but what we'll have to wait and see. I I am curious of what kind of control. Polo- now this is this is a question whether she'll be the uh, leader or not. What kind of control will she be able to have over these folks? I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, I mean, they're the, already saying they don't want her at all. Yeah, so, so I'm interested to see how the fault lines I uh, will make this, fall out in the Democrat I will party. make this prediction. I believe that the Democrats feel, will feel pressured for impeachment. So I believe that you're going to see uh, articles of impeachment for lesser people, you know, just as a matter of poking Trump, harassing Trump to keep him distracted on other things i believe you could see impeachment on lesser offices uh or at least articles of impeachment on lesser offices investigations but you know they're they're running dangerously close to the end of that that rope as well i think you're going to see a power struggle yeah because the people are sick and tired of these investigations and the vitriol and the the venom in in the house people are ready for for government to reflect the prosperity the people are seeing. Well, God bless you guys. We will see you again tomorrow. I was seen. Let me know.